Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Customer Strategy Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today I'm joined by Shrisha Ramdas. Shrisha is the co-founder of Strike Deck, which is now a Medallia company and serves as its senior vice president and general manager. Strike Deck provides a powerful and comprehensive customer success platform, enabling businesses to reduce churn and drive customer loyalty. Shrisha is a longtime entrepreneur and technology pioneer and a good friend. Today, we're talking about how companies can better achieve retention, expansion, and advocacy in their customer base by utilizing customer health scoring. So whether you are just beginning your journey with a customer health score, or you want to know how to take your customer health score to the next level, you'll find some great direction in this episode. I think you're really going to enjoy this, and here we go. Hello, Shrisha. How are you? Doing good, Nels. Great to speak with you. Great to speak with you too. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Customer Strategy Podcast. I cannot wait to dig into our topic today. We're going to be talking all about health score. And I know you are an expert. I know you got tons of experience in this space. Um, and I'm really excited for your insights and knowledge on how to you know, work with health scores from the earliest stages to just getting the basics going all the way to the intermediate and the advanced. So really looking forward to that. But before we do, we got to take a little trip back in time, Shisha, because I think it was around 2015, right in the earliest days of Strike Deck when you and I first connected, right? Yeah, absolutely. I still remember. I think it was my day 10 on doing Strike Deck when I spoke with you then. Day 10. Oh, man, I'm honored. I remember our first, very first conversation, and you told me all about the, your previous companies that you had founded and exited, and I was, one, thoroughly impressed, and then, two, that you wanted to build or had already started building um, a platform in the customer success space, and I was, I was honored that you reached out to me and we, we got connected and had a chat, but man, uh, five years, it's pretty, or five and a half years plus, uh, pretty amazing uh, span of time. Why don't you give us kind of the high level on what Strike Deck has done, the Medallia acquisition last year, just give us a little current state of where things are. Yeah, absolutely. So um, last year, um, in um, it was May that we got acquired by Medallia and uh, I was actually uh, super thrilled with acquisition nails because Medallia has been a formidable brand uh, in customer experience for a long time. Um, just to provide some context, you know, Medallia was started by Amy Borga in 2001. And so over the years, uh, they've done an amazing job in customer experience. They are one of the uh, topmost uh, portfolio company of Sequoia. As we know, Sequoia invests in great companies. So it was, it was amazing to become part of Medallia family. And uh, it's now been about a year and a couple of months since the acquisition mills. And uh, uh, can't say how much excited I am about what we are doing for our prospects, for our customers, in terms of bringing customer success and experience together. Wow. And the, to give you some more context on that, Nils, you know, the way I look at it is uh, it's coming together of inside out and outside in. Um, by outside in, I'm talking about customer feedback coming in. It's the expressed sentiment from customers. And inside out is the, is the inferred sentiment that Strike Deck gathers on behalf of the customers from their internal data, internal systems, we actually are able to determine what 
customers are feeling, what are they concerned about. And it's presenting these two different lenses side by side is what makes it so powerful. Yeah, this really interesting combination of the two. And where Medallia came from, one, I mean, starting in 2001, I think you also mentioned they were bootstrapped for something like 10 years in, in the beginning. I mean, just an incredible success story. And now working with all of the top brands in the world, it's pretty amazing. So um, congrats to you on, on landing that acquisition and having the right strategic partner. But that sense of you know, the, the breadth and the depth, right? And in any business, that's important. Um, but in, in your case, I mean, Medallia really served the breadth of everything from, from customer engagement, even before customers, they became customers. And then you guys are going super, uh, super deep on the experience and the results with that. Um, that's really fascinating. Love to see the combination. Again, makes total sense why you guys came together last May. Um, I do have one question about you know, going through an acquisition. There's a lot of people um, who are listening who, you know, either work inside of a company or maybe even run a company um, that may or may not have been through an acquisition before. So can you give a little bit of insight, kind of your top learning or takeaways a year and a half almost plus um, inside of a much larger acquiring organization? How do you think about you assimilating into that organization? No, absolutely. So um, I think... Uh, Making acquisition successful, that takes a lot of effort, Nils. And it's not just the, the founders, it's the acquiring company. Everybody needs to uh, put in a lot of effort, and it's a team effort, mm -hmm. right? So I'll give you some perspective on, on you know, how I approached uh, post-acquisition. And I'm pretty sure that will be valuable for other founders who are listening to your show as well. So one thing I did uh, post-acquisition was to truly understand what's Medallia all about. What's the culture, right? Why do customers love Medallia for what they do, right? You name any Fortune 500 brand, they're all customers of Medallia. Why, right? And fortunately for us, immediately after the acquisition, there was a Medallia's annual conferences. Mm. Yes, I'm talking about a time when conferences used to be organized and we used to attend. I think I remember teams. those times. It's been a while, but I think <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we had our annual conference in San Diego, and I decided that in that conference, I'm going to spend time with Medallia customers in understanding how they are using the, the solution, why the solution is so powerful for them, uh, rather than any other meetings during the conference. And I'm glad that I did, Nils, right? Because what I understood from Medallia customers is what's important is not just the survey deployment. It's not the collection of the feedback. It's figuring out the customer journey, mm. right? It's about these different uh, feedback that comes in during different touch points. How does it come all together to plot the customer journey? That was... Uh, super interesting. And that was interesting also because, Nils, you know, in customer success, we also talk about customer journey, right? And so uh, I, I spend a lot of time in understanding how different is their customer journey versus the customer success journey. Mm. And what I figured is that they're talking about uh, pre-sales, right? Mm -hmm. When customer when the customer first engages with, with an organization in terms of researching the, the problem space. 
going through the collaterals and getting informed, right? And then engaging with with the SDR or their um, inside sales in terms of of qualifying themselves that they, they are really there for the solution. Then engaging with the sales team, you know, and going through the contract process. Then actually becoming a customer, and then post customer journey onwards. So it's feedback, all of that coming together. That you know, frankly speaking, in customer success, we don't don't pay much attention to that information. But guess what, Nils? There are a lot of uh, gold nuggets that are there, mm-hmm. right? In terms of understanding customer emotionally, in terms of understanding customers' environment that comes together in them making the disc- uh, the decision, right? All of that is super uh, important information that customer success can really make use of it, that today we are not paying attention to it, right? So um, understanding the culture, understanding the environment, understanding customers' business objectives, all that was helpful. And I would definitely recommend that all founders going through an acquisition make an effort to understand that. Once it was there, then um, we just discussed, you know, from timeline perspective, what makes sense. And we uh, we decided not to be short-term focused, but to be a long-term focused. We decided that Strike Deck needs to be a leader in customer success space. And how will it, uh, how much time will it take to get there, right? What are the, the different steps we have to take uh, to make that happen. And so we figured that initially we need to ensure that we are setting the right foundation. By foundation, I I mean the right processes uh, because Strikedick was a smaller company and we are getting um, merged with a bigger organization. And so we need to um, construct or architect for scale. And that's where we decided to tap into Medallia's expertise Right, because they've gone through that journey from 2001 to 2020. They have figured out what it'll take to scale from a startup to a public company. Right, Medallia went public last year, Nelson, and uh, so that entire journey was was amazing. Right, and so uh, we decided the first year to just focus on foundational uh, practices. Right, get the right processes. Right, get the right framework get the right resources, right? Second year, consolidate on those early gains, right? Um, really go and execute scale. And third year is when when you really push for leadership. So that's the kind of long-term uh, planning that we did. And I can already see that we went about it in a right way because uh, setting the right foundation helps in, in uh, the later half of the journey. Right, isn't isn't that's absolutely one hundred percent true? And I love that you call that out, even inside of what must have been a a pretty exciting but intense time. I mean, going from you know the startup you founded, all of a sudden being part of this organization that was on the verge of going public, <laughs> right? Or had or just had uh, right at about that time. I mean, there's so much going on, and to take a step back and come up with those those three things and looking at this on a three year horizon of you know setting the foundational practices, executing the scale and then pushing for leadership um, of of strike deck in the industry is is just I mean it's awesome and I think that those takeaways and kind of the approach that you had of understanding the other side before 
really doing anything, um, apply equally to anybody at any level inside an organization that goes through an acquisition, right? So there's a lot of people listening who, frankly, aren't going to, you know, the owners of the company or the CEO, but they might be a CSM or a VP of CS or a director of CS. And going into an acquisition, their company gets acquired, you know, the, the most common thing is to feel a sense of, of uh, threat or, or uncertainty as a result of not knowing what's going to happen or thinking that if, it, if the other company acquired your company, that maybe your job will be eliminated because they already have a whatever your title is, right? And so, right. but to go in with it in the same approach that you did would be incredibly valuable, which is, I just need to understand what the world is like for them. I just need to understand how their organization works. I need to understand all this first before you can build the plan. So I love that you went back to that stage. I mean, it's true customer centricity and it's, and it's in its truest form. Um, and I think it applies equally for anybody going through an acquisition, especially at the leadership levels. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's um, any change drives anxiety. It's, it's, it's well-known fact, right? But it's very important to keep that positive spirit. It's really important to be optimistic. It's really important to be bullish about the scenario you're walking in. Yeah. That's at the foundation, uh, foundation level, really, really important. Good. Love it. Cool. Um, well, congrats on all the progress so far with the, with the acquisition, number one, then with the progress through your three-year plan, number two, and all the good things that are coming from the combination of Medallia and Strike Deck. So now let's, let's dig into the health score side of things, because um, this is an area that, uh, you know, every single organization, certainly I've ever worked with, you've ever worked with, has an opportunity to develop some form of a health score. And there are about 8 billion different ways you could go about this. There's not really a perfect standard out there. And would love to talk with you about the things first that, you know, are the base level that have to or should be included at this um, very beginning stage if you're in the early stages of getting a health score in place. And we'll start with a definition here in a second. Then we'll go into, would love to hear your thoughts on how to take it to another level and get kind of the intermediate level. And then to the advanced, like what is the North Star vision that you should be looking at for what your health score could do down the line? So um, before we do that, Shreesha, would you, if I were to ask you just to define the health, a health score, um, tell me what is your definition of a health score? And we'll start there. Yeah, no, absolutely, Nels. Uh, so uh, everybody is familiar with customer feedback, right? And NPS score. NPS score has become a North Star for a lot of organizations in terms of how happy their customers are, mm-hmm. right? But what we all know that there is a lot of data and systems within an organization that has the information on all the customer interactions that happen. And those customer interactions have, you know, have got... Um, are providing signals in terms of of how customers are are interact how customers are feeling about your product and services. So health score is all about deriving uh, where the customers are in their journey with you from your internal data sources. Mm. That's how I'll put what customer health score is. And customer health score is is important, uh, because 
you will able to understand, you'll be able to go beyond customer feedback in understanding your customers and understanding how to help your customers in achieve their outcomes. So okay. it's all about treating health score as that, uh, as a navigation guide to deliver better outcomes to your customers. Fantastic. As an excellent definition to start with, deriving where your customers are from internal data sources to help you go beyond just customer feedback. Okay, good. So we got the baseline here. Um, now I'd love to hear from your perspective, kind of the, the, the base level stuff that should be included or thought about as somebody is going about putting in a health score, perhaps for the first time, or perhaps they you know, went down a path and it didn't work out so well. What are the, the core things that at a basic level should absolutely be thought about or be included? The great question is, so at the basic level, I would say any customer success leader, any customer success organization should start thinking about all the KPIs that they need to include in calculating the health score. And when they go about determining the KPIs that are important to understand where the customers are, it's important to keep in mind that you cannot uh, take on a lot of KPIs. Don't boil the ocean there. Don't bring in a lot of KPIs up front. Bring in three to four KPIs that you feel are important so that you can start with what I call as a baseline score. Some of the KPIs that I've seen being used are contract length from CRM, and that helps you to calculate days to renewal. You can look at support tickets, number of open tickets that are there. You can go into usage, look at logins uh, per week, look at what features they are using. You can also look at engagement KPIs where how many times they are interacting with you. So beginning, it's important to look at three to four important KPIs. Don't look at 15, 20 odd KPIs. It's very difficult to track. It's very difficult to then get a handle whether the whether the health score is working for you or not. So, so the, that I would call it at the base level, Nils. Okay, good. The the three to four KPIs is a really interesting one because I'm with you on the simplicity piece and not getting too complicated early on. And I think that's a common thing that does happen because sometimes um, the tools that we use or the people that are involved in the project of gathering all this data have access to more data. So when you have access to more data, you usually end up with more data. But sometimes you end up, might end up with more questions than answers. Um, any, any guidance, Trisha, on you know, under, under, getting to that list of three to four. Like, is this an exercise where a CS leader, you know, should kind of have a gut feel on exactly what three to four might make the most sense for them? Or is this something where, you know, this is about picking three to four, measuring that over a course of a quarter or two and experimenting with, like, how would you advise people to actually go about the identification of those three to four key KPIs? Right. You mentioned an important thing there, Nils, which is experiment, being experimental, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's very important to treat health scoring as an ongoing experimentation yep. because you are going to it's going to take some time before you figure out what health score works, right? 
Also keep in mind the environment keeps changing, your product may undergo a change, so there may be a, a, a requirement in revising that health score. So you always should be, be testing, A-B testing the health score, as I call it. And so the initial set of KPIs uh, should be from the four different pieces that I talked about, CRM, support tickets, usage, and engagement. Of that, usage is absolutely critical, Nils. Okay. Um, in, you know, when I say that, it's because you get an understanding of how customers are adopting your product. Now, in case of on-premise products where a lot of times usage information is not there, you figure out what's the proxy for, for that usage. And that could be support tickets. Support tickets, a lot of the times, have this information on which feature is being used by the customer, how are they using the, the features. So it'll have information there. And so you extract the information from there. But it's very important to understand how customers are going about using uh, the product, how far they are in the adoption life cycle, and and uh, you know what what uh, how far they have progressed on the outcomes. So that is the, the the most important parameter that should go into a health score algorithm. After that, I would say the basic CRM fields like you know is it a one year contract? Is it a three year contract? Obviously, three year contract you have more time to help customer reach their outcomes. Mm -hmm. In one year, you have less time, right? So obviously, the customer having longer contract is in a better state than a short-term contract, right? Similarly, you can look at support tickets where, you know, what's the sentiment being expressed in the support tickets? Is there frustration with the customer? Has it reached to an unmanageable limit? Or is it, can you, can you still help the customer um, in, in resolving the support tickets? So that information should go into the, uh, scoring algorithm. And third is engagement. You know, are you engaged with a customer? Oftentimes the product may, may be proving to be difficult, but if you are helpful to the customer, the customer may still be relatively ha in a happier state, right? The customer feels it's just uh, a matter of time before the CSM is able to help uh, deliver a better experience with the product. So those are the initial KPIs that, that you need to focus on. Now, you may look at usage, just usage, and say that I've got 15 things I want to measure when it comes to usage, and that's too much. Mm -hmm. you, may, you may have to think about that. How can you take those 12, 15 things in the usage and boil it down to one or two KPIs? Mm. And that's an initial exercise I would definitely encourage all the CS leaders to, to do. That's really interesting. Taking taking all the fifteen things you would love to know about usage and actually condensing it down into KPIs, because metric does not necessarily a a usage metric, excuse me, does not necessarily equal a KPI, and that's that's a big difference. So I, I really like your point on that. Um, one question about um, where does the sentiment at the base level? Where does the sentiment of the CSM, for example, fit into the equation where they're you know, responsible for the relationship and kind of have a gut feel on how things are going to date. Does that fit in at the base level? Is that something you would advise taking into account or is that something that is a little bit too subjective perhaps um, because everybody has a little bit definition of how well the relationship is going just based on their view of everything? 
Now, that's a great question and something, again, I've seen being ignored. Um, what happens is a uh, lot of the CS leaders, um, they get excited about all the data at their disposal and they ignore this gut feel component. I would say that it's very important to start with the gut feel uh, because that's an input that CSMs can provide easily. They can, after every meeting, they can uh, provide an input whether the customer is happy or not, right? And that definitely should go into the health score as the first KPI, and then you can build on top of it. The other aspect to this, Nils, is that you can treat, again, this as a way to benchmark whether your health score algorithm is working or not, right? So if your health score is showing that the customer is red, and then the gut feel is that the customer is happy, then why is that gap, right? That's something then you can dig into and make tweaks to your customer health score so that it reflects the reality, right? That's, that's the other great. thing to, yeah, the other thing to consider, Nils, is that a lot of the times, uh, the red health score may not mean that customer is ready to churn. It may be that customer needs help right now, and providing a timely help will bring the customer to green, right? Yeah. So that's the other way to think about the gut feel. It helps you uh, figure out whether the customer health score is in the right direction or not. Yeah. Now, I love what you said about uh, validating uh, as a benchmark, the the subjective with the objective and aligning those two, because one of them is either not accurate or or not telling the full picture. And if it's the if it's the relationship side and it just all, you know, smiles on the top uh, on the personal side, however, the metrics aren't leading up to it, then, you know, which one's right? Which one should you believe and which one should you go down? So really like having that that sanity check there. If you have a, a gut uh, sentiment coming into the picture, then validate it with data or at least make sure the data aligns to support it. And if it doesn't, you got to tweak uh, something either on the sentiment and how you're measuring it or on the data and what you are measuring. Um, okay, cool. So we got a core right. good idea on the base level. Thank you, Shrisha. Um, let's talk about the next stage. So let's say, you know, we have somebody has their health score in place, has been running for, you know, 6, 12, 18 months. You know, the core base stuff is there. So what are the things that you can do to take the health score to the next level that maybe not immediately apparent? You know, it's accurate. It kind of helps with forecasting. But what are some of the other uses and other ways that you would encourage people to think about their health score as they get past that base level? Yeah, there are two things to, to that, Bills. Once you have what I call a baseline health score going for your team, there is um, uh, an adoption. The CSMs have adopted the health score. They are using it to plan their daily workflow. All of that is going great. Now it's time to start thinking how you can make your health score even more powerful. Before you start thinking about additional parameters, data, and thinking about adding layers to health score, you have to look at your own underlying data. What we have seen is that data hygiene becomes a big issue when you try to scale your health scoring algorithm. Insufficient data is, again, another factor that can be a big challenge, right? And so making sure that your underlying data is good, it's consistent, 
You have all the data coming on a regular basis. There are no gaps in the data. It's very important to do that. It's important to, what I call, do a data audit to ensure that your underlying data is functioning well. Once you have that in place, now it's time to think about scale, you know, you're from baseline to an advanced, and that's where you can add different layers to health score. And by different layers, I would, I would hey, say- Trisha, Trisha a, hang, hang on one sec. Before we get to the layers, I want to get into that because it sounds super interesting. But I got I to gotta yeah. drill in on the, on the data quality piece. And I think this was actually part of our original discussion way back in 2015 on day 10 of Strike Deck. And I think I'd pose to you the question of, okay, everybody's data, for the most part, lots of organizations use Salesforce. And lots of data resides in Salesforce, as well as many, many other different repositories and things. So um, how, how do you make sure that your data is in a good state? Like, what are the best practices that the organizations that you work with who have their stuff together are able to take full advantage of all the different disparate types of data that are out there without it being a giant, like, um, you know, all of a sudden a huge Herculean effort just to get the data to a decent place to then feed into something else. You know, you've dealt with this, I'm sure with most of your clients that you've worked with, some probably have great data hygiene, some probably not so much. What are the keys and the things that people need to know in order to think like, um, as you were saying, that there are no gaps in the data that you've done in audit, how do you actually do that? Yeah, again, a great question, Nils. So we know that there has been tremendous transformation when it comes to data tools and technologies. We've got powerful data tools and technologies in recent years. But what has not changed, Nils, is that data used to be a tough challenge before, Data still is a tough challenge now. I believe it. In spite, in spite of all the tools and technology advancement that has happened, there is data warehouse, there is data lake, um, there is data transformation tool, ETL tools, but it's still a massive, massive challenge. And uh, uh, you know, I have gone to organizations and I found that they are on this big, massive data warehouse project that has now three years, multi-million dollars. Uh, dollar project, but still has not achieved the result. So what I advise is, first thing is to is to audit and figure out for yourself what are the data fields that you can trust. Mm-hmm. That is super important, right? What are the fields where you know it gets updated with the right and relevant information on a timely basis, right? Yep. I've wo- I've worked with a number of organizations. I've yet to come across an organization where CRM data is perfect. <laughs> zero. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, zero nils. Yeah. There does not exist a single organization who can confidently say that their CRM data is picture perfect. Yeah. Does not exist, right? Yep. And so you start your audit with a CRM system itself, where you say, okay, what are those fields where I know the sales team goes into CRM and update, updates it on a consistent basis? So I can trust those fields, right? Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The second thing you should look at CRM is, uh, you know, are there calculations that you can do to, to come up with the right value? For example, 
there may be a customer who's subscribed to multiple products and to come up with a true value, you need to do some calculations. So it's important to spend time to understand what are those calculations, get an agreement from multiple stakeholders before embarking on that, that calculation. Yeah. Because that can be one of the parameters to your health score. Right. Yeah. And yeah, this is again, something that I've not seen, you know, people take time um, to put together some thought and, and get an agreement from multiple stakeholders. And I'm sure you've had experience on this as well. Vince. Yeah. I mean, ever since, so our way back in, uh, we're going all the way back in the time machine, back to the end of 2011 and the very beginning of 2012, when I was a CSM, for a company, we um, had a software product that was an analytics tool, and we were an early customer of a CS platform, and it was great. They were just starting out. We were starting out. Uh, we were very excited by the prospects, and ultimately, six months later, we failed, like miserably. And the reason we failed was because our data basically looked like Swiss cheese, and we had no idea. We literally had <laughs> zero idea until it was displayed in something that was intended to, you know, shed a light on what customer success data actually looks like. And then we said, wait, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Your, your product's not working. And they showed us that it's merely sharing what's already there, which was our Swiss cheese data. And very quickly, uh, we understood that we needed to take like a six month break because we had to go try to fix our data. And it was a very, very powerful lesson um, for me in that seat. I was part of that, you know, part of that whole process. And we spent a lot of right. time trying to correct it, but it was hard, like getting resources, getting the, spending the time, updating the data. That was hard. And, uh, you know, it's somewhat comforting and somewhat not to know that not meant that many things have changed over time, that everybody's data still has problems. But to your point on auditing the, and to find the things that you know can work um, or that you, the feeds that you can rely on um, as a great place to start, you know, and know that this is a long-term journey. It's not going to be done overnight. Right, right. Well, that's, a, that's what has been my experience as well, Nils. Um, now, coming to the usage data, that's again an area where I've seen um, that there's a need for some thought process happening on, on that front. You know, every organization thinks that they have usage data. It's in the log file database, uh, or it's being captured by some tool, and it's easy to pick that data and make use of it. Yep. But it is not, right? It is, uh, you know, to extract data from log files, it's some undertaking. Yep. To tap into the database and get the right relevant information, it may not be easy. And even from analytics tools, be it Google Analytics, be it analytics like Pendo or, or other tools, Amplitude, you know, you may get a lot of um, lot of noise. How do you extract event information from that noise? It again may may take some effort, and you need to plan it, mm -hmm. right? So that's the the area where when it. Uh, that's an area where you need to plan, right? It's not just simply taking the usage data and making use of it. Yeah. The other important information on the on the usage front is how do you figure out how the customer is deriving the value, right? Mm -hmm. Is it just using the feature or is it using 
features in a particular manner that gets them to the value equation, that's something you need to uh, spend some time on as well. Good. Yeah, and, and that really gets to the um, heart of this next question, which is, you know, who who is it that's able to do this kind of work? Right. So there's there's the leadership aspect, which someone needs to be in the driving seat saying these are the core things we need to look at now. This is the big picture of the project that we need to do. We're going to be constantly evolving this. But when it comes to all that analysis piece, you know, who are the who are the people that the CS community needs to engage in order to get these kinds of insights? Because, frankly, this is a pretty detailed um ask, right? For lack of a better term. I know some people have hired data scientists, others have a full operations team. What have you seen as some of the, from a infrastructure point of view, the people who are most well equipped to be able to answer these questions, take kind of the direction of we got to figure this out and then go dig in data, identify areas that you could pull information from, figure out how to combine it. Who are those types of resources that the CS leadership should be engaging? Right. So if you have data scientists at your disposal, disposal, then that's a luxury that you have. Mm -hmm. You know, having data scientists is great because they are not only looking at the data quality, but they're also thinking about the algorithm. But I think uh, something basic can be done at an operational level. And I would say if you have strong sales operations, sales and marketing operations, and they are uh, they have already spent time with with the CRM data as an example. And if they if you can motivate them to lend a helping hand in constructing the customer data that you require, that would be an ideal way to go about it. I've seen more and more CS organizations now creating a position for CS ops, mm-hmm. and CS ops are doing a tremendous job at uh, bringing the data together in figuring out what's the right data mapping that should be there and even going further and, and crafting an algorithm that reflects the customer health score. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, that, and that, the role of the CS ops um, I've seen increasing as well. And I think that's going to be one of the most pivotal, um, pivotal pieces of a CS organization in the future is really that operation piece because the amount of data that we have will just continue to increase. So the more importance there is on making sense of it um, and being able to keep it flowing in the right way to the right people at the right time. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you 100% on the ops. Hopefully we should all be so lucky to be able to employ those magnificent people who have an incredible ability to see the path through a mountain of data and come up and do analysis and come back with recommendations. So <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely with you there. I don't fall into that camp. I could never, I could never end up in that job. However, I, I greatly admire the skill set and the strengths that go along with that particular role. Oh, absolutely. Um, what I've seen, what yeah. I've seen, Nils, is that uh, teams that do not have access to ops, they then have some of their data-oriented CSNs play that role. Mm. So so that's how they have been able to manage the process. So kind of a player, like kind of split in time between um, the customer focus side and then the internal infrastructure side for those people who have skill sets in that area. Is that what you're referring to? Right, exactly. Uh, got it. Okay, cool. So that's that might be a good bridge 
for people then, um, because on every CS team, there may be a skill set that aligns with that particular work. Um, you know, the key there is aligning the work to the strengths of the individual, as opposed to just saying, well, you know, Nils, you have time, therefore you should take on this health score analysis project and figure out the data. And I would say very politely, no, thank you, <laughs> because I know that I yeah. can do it nearly as well as somebody next to me who had a much more operationally focused set of strengths <laughs> and would get Absolutely. me into trouble. Cool. Um, so let's come back to the intermediate level. Thank you for that little detour there um, down the path of the data and integrity, because I think, I mean, ultimately that's at the heart of everything. Um, but let's take a go back up to the intermediate level and some of the key things that Again, transitioning from the baseline, you've got your data in, let's say, in a pretty in a good place. There's reliability. You're constantly iterating. The team has adopted it. So where do we go next from a what do we do with the health score or what do we add to the health score? Yeah. So the next thing that customers need to think about is organizations need to think about is adding uh, segments mm -hmm. to the piece, which okay. is can you can, a, can one health score help you understanding across the customers or you need multiple health scores per segment to understand the true state of the customer? So just a simple example would be, you know, you may have your premium customers, right? These are the customers who need high touch, who need handholding, who need guidance on, on how to use your product. And you want your CSMs to be focused on these customers, help them reach the outcomes milestone, help them to be successful with the with the product. And so the way you go about defining health score for this segment is different than the others, right? Where because you will you will uh, be giving high weightage to all the engagements that are happening with the customers. Whereas for tech touch customers or for the customers who are at the lower end who are not paying the top dollars, you want to calculate their health score differently. You want them to be self-sufficient. You want them to consume the, the content from your support portal and go further along with the product, right? And so their health score definition will be, you know, how further they are in, in their product journey. So that's where you have to think about different health scores for different segments. Hmm. You may also need to think about scoring for where they are in their customer journey. So your overall customer health score may be showing green, but the customer may be struggling in the onboarding phase. And so you have to recognize that, right? The customer may have signed up for a multi-year contract, and so that's the reason why the overall customer health score is green because the the, the customer um, tenure is, is further along, right? But then they need help right now in the onboarding stage to adopt your product. And so the onboarding stage should show red. So the CSM knows this customer is struggling with adoption of the product. I need to go now, right? So that's the other uh, thing that they need to think about. Um, the other piece to this is that do you need health scoring per user as well? That is, you know, overall account health score may be great, but there is this one customer, one user who's struggling with that option of the product. And so 
that user will need some help. So that is why I said that you need to think about different layers to the health score. Those are some those are some really interesting layers. I mean, we've got tier, stage, and users. Um, you know, how, so how do you keep your head on straight when you get to that point and you could potentially have a different health score for every tier? You could have multiple health scores for or one health score for each different stage of the customer journey, and maybe there's even a user health score. So how do you keep um, you know from losing the losing the message through the noise, if you will, in this in a place where you start to add these layers in. Yeah, absolutely. You should not let the data overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there should not be that many KPIs you need to monitor that it becomes difficult. Uh, so the way to think about this is you actually think about the workflow associated with every layer. So overall account health score will help you figure out your churn or retention strategy. Your segmented health score will re- may determine your tech touch automation strategy. Mm. Your user level health score may determine what sort of engagement needs to happen. Do you need to get on a webinar? Do you need to actually get on face-to-face with the customer? Or do you need to send some certain type of collateral to the user for as a help. So that's how I would frame it, uh, Nils, that you need to think about it. No, I love that. I love that framing um, as a way to, you know, keep track because as as you were describing it first, like I was getting a little overwhelmed thinking about all those different ones, but putting into the context of the workflow associated with every layer and knowing that ultimately, you know, the each health score is going to be used to drive a different set of activities by probably a different person or people or group or leader. That makes total sense, right? The the VP is looking at one health score. The director is looking at another. The individual CSMs are looking at different ones. So everybody can have a lens into um, what they need in order to drive their activities. And that was a really helpful way to uh, to wrap my head around it. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Shisha. Sure. So, okay, so now let's say we've done the basics, we've done the intermediate stuff, we've started to add the layers in. Um, what's, let's talk about the advanced level. Let's talk about the stuff that, you know, probably today, uh, there's only a small percentage of people who are really able to take full advantage of uh, from a health score perspective. What are some of the key things that the most advanced, um, you know, organizations are doing? And what are some of the things that people should be thinking as a North Star? Again, you don't have to get this tomorrow, but as a directional place of where you want to go and from a vision perspective of your health score, what are some of the things that should be in that advanced stage? Yeah, so one thing that I have seen commonly is that health scoring has largely been used for identifying churn, Mm -hmm. right? Churn is the one thing that seems to define health score. But health score can be useful for a few other things as well. It's really powerful when setting up customer advocacy. Mm. And if you can transform your customers to become your strong advocates, trust me, Nils, it'll have a big impact on your sales as well. I believe it. So customers who stay green for a longer period should be used for references. But then 
if customer has been green for a long time, the customer has been providing references, next you can think about setting them up for providing referrals. Next, you can think about bringing them to your events and talking about what a wonderful job your product is doing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So there can be different ways in you can leverage customers for, for advocacy. And all of that can be guided by your health score, right? You can work in collaboration with marketing team to set up those customer advocacy workflows on top of your health scores. Mm. When it comes to scores, they can also be handy for a leader to set up a CSM leaderboard. And this is really useful in terms of determining which CSM requires additional coaching. For example, a CSM that has number of red customers may actually be struggling in how to bring help to those red customers. Mm. And that's where a, a good CS leader can step in and provide some templates, some some ways to engage with the customer so that so that they can be set up for success. Hmm. And that's again where health score can guide a leader in which CSM requires help. Right? Health score and utilization combined can be used to determine account expansion. A customer who has been green for a long period and has used all the licenses is ready for for upsell, right? A customer who has derived value from the product and is high on ROI can then be used for selling other products, right? So it can be a a great indicator for expansion strategy, right? Health score for CSMs in particular can also help them prioritize their daily activities, right? Which customers I need to have meetings with which customers I need to uh, send some collaterals. So all of that, it can, it can guide the CSMs, right? Now, one other thing, Nils, which is interesting and I have not seen uh, it common, is health score trends are sometimes more useful than absolute health scores. Mm-hmm. If you think about sales, we always talk about that sales and CS organization should be more aligned um, in terms of sales CS handoff, in terms of best fit customers. But you have also got to understand that sales need to understand what's happening in the CS world. And, And just the absolute health score will not be useful for the salespeople. But what will be useful for them to understand the overall trend has this customer been green for a long period? Has this customer transitioned from red to green? All of that will go and educate the sales team on how to understand what's going on in the CS world. Wow. Those are some incredible tips and strategies for how to take your health score to the next level. I see if I can do it justice here by summarizing. Catch me if I, if I miss anything. But number one, this is not just for identifying churn. Right. That is a common thing that is done, especially in the early days, and that's totally fine. However, as you progress with your health score, there's so much more that it can do, for example, be used to identify who should you be targeting from an advocacy perspective. Get referrals, uh, speaking things, testimonials, whatever that is that you can collaborate on with your marketing team. Um, on the internal operations side, setting up a CSM leaderboard. 
just so that the leader knows uh, which CSMs are in charge of which accounts and what is their distribution of health score. Is a particular CSM struggling more than others and what do those individuals need in order to become successful? Um, using the health score as an account expansion indicator, so if they've been green for a long time, have used all their licenses, boom, they might be in a perfect place to position for an expansion. Um, on the CSM side, actually daily activities being driven by the health score and knowing who to meet with and what material or support to send, um, what questions to ask even uh, based off of the health score. And finally, just focusing on the trends overall. So in our partnership with other departments like sales, marketing, other executives as well, the trend of the health scores is going to play an, an, an important role um, because it takes a village in order to serve our customers. It's not just the customer success responsibility, even though it's our responsibility to make sure it gets done. How do I do summarizing there, Shrisha? Do that great job, Liz. That's Perfect. exactly it. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, so I want to come back to kind of the high-level pieces here. We talked about um, health scores for the beginning, just starting out, base-level stuff you got to do. We talked about the intermediate stage, which is all about the a lot of infrastructure and making sure that you have the right operation behind your health score to ensure the data is flowing so that you can and your team and everybody else in your org can take advantage of it. And then we also dug into the advanced things that you can do with your health score. And this hopefully should give people a very nice view as to you know, where they are today. Uh, you know, Self-select, are you in the beginning part? Are you in the intermediate? Are you in the advanced? And I'm sure there's a strategy or two that we covered here that could help um, lead somebody to the next step in how to get more value out of their health score. Um, so, Shrisha, any final words and thoughts just uh, that you would love to leave people with when it comes to the health score? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the thing you want people to think about in, since you know the power of this, you've seen this, you've implemented many of the advanced features yourself, your platform does the same. What is the th one thing you want people to think about when they think about the health score? Yeah, I um, uh, want, want people to think about health score as a powerful concept. Um, that can be applied beyond churn, right? Not just think about it as important for churn, think about advocacy, sales collaboration, helping CSMs figure out, figure out all their daily activities, where to focus, and for a leader to provide help to their team. Love it, love it. That is a fantastic definition of just what a health score can be. Um, when we go a little bit deeper than just looking at it as a churn indicator. Cool. Well, Shrisha, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time talking with you about HealthScore, catch up. Uh, again, congrats on all the progress with Strike Deck and Medallia in the acquisition. Really loved hearing your story of how you viewed, you know, going into an acquisition on a three-year time frame. Uh, it was just really, really powerful to understand that from a CEO's perspective. So thank you very much. Um, really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Sounds great, Nils. Thanks for having me on your show. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. There you have it. Another great episode of the Customer Strategy Podcast. What you've just heard is representative of what I do all day, every day. Work with my clients to help them through the biggest customer strategy challenges that they face. If you'd like to get this kind of help in your business, the next step is to apply to work with me. The process is very simple. All you need to do is go to glide, G-L-I-D-E, consulting, 
llc.com forward slash apply. You'll be asked to answer a series of questions, and these questions are really designed to help me understand if I can help you and if we're a good fit to work together. After that, we'll get on the phone and have a conversation and talk about what I envision is the game plan to work for you. From there, you can either take that information and run with it, or we can talk about working together to put that plan into action. Again, the link is glideconsultingllc.com forward slash apply. Go ahead and do that now, and I look forward to the opportunity to work with you. If you'd like to get more information about how to build or improve the customer strategy in your business, you can download my free customer strategy method blueprint by going to glideconsultingllc.com forward slash blueprint. Simply enter your information, get immediate access to the blueprint, and receive a step-by-step guide to the most important areas that you have to cover. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I'd love the opportunity to speak with you and help you work through some of the biggest challenges you face when it comes to your customer strategy. In order to be a guest, simply go to glideconsultingllc.com forward slash guest. Fill out a few questions to provide us with some context and we'll get you on the list. I look forward to having the opportunity to speak with you in the future. Until the next episode, this is Nils Vinya signing off and reminding you to serve your customers with passion.